Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download the free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 4, 18 through 31, called Obedience and Worship. Now, how did she know what was going on? Was Moses sick? Was he manifesting uh, signs that maybe he was on the verge of death? Was there some dark presence there? I don't know how she knew. But maybe they knew all along. Maybe it was a conversation that they had had multiple times. Maybe it was a debate they had in their marriage. I don't know all the dynamics of it, but Zipporah seems to know that Moses is about to die unless she steps in and does what's supposed to be done, which is a sign of the Abrahamic covenant. And it says if that child, that male child is not circumcised, he is cut off from his people. Cut off from the covenant. That is... That person is supposed to die if they don't obey the sign of the covenant of the Lord. And so she steps in and she says, you are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. And I don't know exactly what she's saying. I don't know if she's expressing disgust because she doesn't agree with the timing of the procedure, so to speak. I don't know if there's some other message in there, but she says, you're a bridegroom of blood to me. I was reading one author and he says that we need to see in Zipporah's actions a picture of salvation because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. This is one scholar. He says, God used this encounter on the road back to Egypt to teach Moses the basic requirements of salvation. Although Moses passed through the shadow of death, God never actually intended to kill him. The whole experience was a test. God was giving his prophet a firsthand experience of salvation. First, God showed Moses the wages of sin by placing him under his divine wrath. But then God's deadly wrath was turned aside or propitiated. Uh, to use the the proper term for it, the blood, by the blood, in this case, of circumcision. Blood is mentioned specifically because in order to be delivered from death, Moses had to be touched by the blood of a sacrifice and therefore thereby identified with it. Moses was saved from God's wrath by the shed blood of a substitute. The shedding of blood via an act of circumcision averts divine wrath, as does the touching of the blood of, to the Hebrews' houses in Egypt during the night of that first Passover. And so this is obviously, you know, there's some deep things to consider here. But in one sense, I was thinking that Jesus is our bridegroom, and to us, in one sense, he's a bridegroom of blood. And that might seem a bit bizarre to some of us, but... You know, if you read the gospel accounts of the death of Jesus Christ, it is a bloody disaster. And in fact, the whole sacrificial system of which Moses will get the prescription of the tabernacle and the clothing of the priests and how the sacrifices are to be done, which are in the first five books that he pens, 
are all about the blood of an innocent victim covering the, the sin of those who have sinned against God. And then ultimately, the fulfillment of all of that system will be realized in the coming Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The number eight, you're to circumcise your children on the eighth day is a number of new beginnings in the Bible. Moses was about to begin a ministry as a deliverer and a lawgiver, but how could he do that if he could not even obey the Abrahamic covenant? And how can you and I, modern application, go to our friends and family and say to them, this is what you need to do if we ourselves can even do the basic things of the Christian life? And I don't have to tell you, brethren, of the sad failures coming to light of leader after leader who are falling by the wayside in the modern evangelical church. It is tragic. And it is a warning to anyone who would say to the Lord, here I am, send me, to make sure that we walk in humility and dependence on the Lord because the devil is on the prowl. And there are spiritual leaders in our land falling by the wayside left and right at breakneck speed. I'll tell you what, it is sobering for me to watch what is happening. I stood at this pulpit not that long ago and talked about the leadership and accolades of Ravi Zacharias, only to now find out that stories that have been verified are showing that he had a side of his life that was really egregious and sinful and hurt a lot of people. And there are a lot of people who are now devastated. And I will tell you this, any person who's going to stand up and talk about the fall of another will say it hopefully with fear and trepidation because we could all fall on our face in a microsecond. And we have to walk in humility And I think Moses is being taught a lesson that we all need to hear. I need to hear it, and it's this. You better cut away every part of the flesh. If you're going to be a vessel for me, it needs to go. Any overt disobedience in your life, anything that you've omitted that you know you need to do to make sure that you're a pure vessel for me, do it now Because I'm sending you to Egypt to be a deliverer, but I need you to be a pure vessel. You're not going to be a perfect vessel, but there should be no overt, unrepentant sin in your life. Surely it will come back to bite us. If it doesn't happen on the spot, it's bound to happen. God doesn't always immediately deal with our waywardness and our disobedience, but payday does come. And for Moses, this is the moment. And by God's grace, God doesn't kill him on the spot because Moses knew better. And this is, I think, the fifth time in the book of Exodus where a woman has stepped in to save Moses. (laughs) Or if the midwives were involved in the saving of Moses, you got the midwives, Yoshebed, that's Moses' mom, Miriam, his sister, Pharaoh's daughter, and now Zipporah. That's five women in the book of Exodus Thank God for ladies who have discernment skills above and beyond what guys normally, you know, maybe Moses is just going, what's going on? And Zipporah's like, circumcise the kid now! You're going to die! (laughs) 
Don't eat that. It's been in the refrigerator for five years. Don't you see the green stuff growing on it? Ah, oh, it'll be fine. It's good. So he, God, let him, Moses, alone. 26. And at that time, she said, you're a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Again, I can't be dogmatic on exactly what she's saying. But her evaluation is, you're a husband of blood to me. I think MacArthur says the following, suggests her own revulsion with the rite of circumcision, which Moses should have performed. The result, however, was God's foregoing the threat and letting Moses go. The reaction of God at this point dramatically underscored the seriousness of the sign which he had prescribed, that is, the Abrahamic covenant. What's the message to us, to you, to me? The Bible talks about a circumcision of the heart, and it begs the question, what needs to be cut away in my life? And I just want you to hear this, Jeremiah 4, 1 through 4. If you will return, O Israel, God speaking through the prophet declares the Lord, then you should return to me. And if you will put away your detested things from my presence and will not waver, and you will swear as the Lord lives in truth, in justice, and in righteousness, then the nations will bless themselves in him, and in him they will glory. Jeremiah 4, 3. Thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and to Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and remove the foreskins of your heart. Men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. Jeremiah 4, 1 through 4. Circumcise your heart. Look, the issue in Scripture is not the water of baptism, it's the heart of obedience. It's not the rite of circumcision in this case. It's the picture of the cutting away of the flesh to be in covenant with God. There are so many things that get in our way. So many things that are potential stumbling blocks. All you got to do is leave the house and sometimes not even leave the house and you are bombarded with the temptations of the flesh that encircle us all around us. They are absolutely everywhere. It is going to take an effort of conviction to say, Lord, I'm, I'm about to go and do this or do that. Would you clothe me with the Lord Jesus Christ? Would you fill me with your spirit so that I don't give in to the dictates of the flesh? And so I think that is the biggest takeaway. Now we wind down with the final portion. The Lord said to Aaron, He's speaking now to Aaron, who would be a partner to Moses. Go to meet Moses in the wilderness. So he went. He met him at the mountain of God, that is Horeb, or uh, it will be named Sinai, and he kissed him. They hadn't seen each other for some 40 years. The uh, Hebrew here is something like a big bear hug. It's a forceful, uh, strong hug, I'm sure. Moses probably wondered until God told him that Aaron could speak well if Aaron was even still alive. He didn't know who was still alive. These guys were older. And so they had a beautiful reunion. They hugged and he kissed Moses. We have uh, in the Bible, we have something called a holy kiss. And 
That's something that has been practiced by the church for some 2,000 years, and it's probably closest to the idea of what we see in Europe, where they kiss on the cheek, they do the, it's an appropriate kind of thing, but it shows affection and love. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Listen to our podcast mini-series, A Step Closer. In these series, Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics we face in our life from a Christian perspective. Our next series is called Trick or Treat, The Origins of Halloween. But we also shouldn't look sideways at Christians who take their kids to Christian alternative uh, celebrations or even go door-to-door in a Superman costume. We need to chill out. They're not practicing the ancient festival of Druidism and Samhain. They're dressed as Superman getting candy, okay? The holiday has become largely secular. We all know that. Most Americans have no clue of anything I told you this morning. You can listen to A Step Closer on walkintruth.com, or you can subscribe and follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app, like Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. That's something that has been practiced by the church for some 2,000 years, and it's probably closest to the idea of what we see in Europe, where they kiss on the cheek, they do the, it's an appropriate kind of thing, but it shows affection and love. And so they have this moment where they've been reconciled or uh, brought back together after a long time, decades of being separated. They had a lot to talk about. Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord. He didn't say all this to Jethro, but he said it to Aaron, with which he had sent him all the signs that he had commanded him to do, 29. And Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders, just as God had instructed, of the sons of Israel, so all the leaders of the, probably the tribes of the, or the nation, And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. And Moses then performed the signs, probably all three signs. He uh, would have done the staff turning into a serpent. He would have uh, done the uh, hand going into his bosom and pulling it out and having it be leprous and then back in to be healed again and perhaps even something with the, the Nile turning into blood or he would at least do that later. At least two of the three signs are done here. And so they do the signs in the sight of the people, and here's the final verse. And so the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel, and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed low and they worshiped. This is one of the most beautiful scenes of what I would call a living doxology before us. A doxology is kind of a closing prayer of praise in many sections of the Bible. But here we have a living doxology. The people see the signs. The elders see the signs. They, they hear the words. And the people, 31, believed. You know, belief is the biggest thing that Abraham represents in the Abrahamic covenant. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And the biggest thing that Israel will need right now at this given moment is to believe. And the biggest thing that you and I need right now is to believe. And the word believe in the Bible is not simply 
intellectual assent to a group of facts. Believe means to trust God. And your uh, behavior is commensurate with that trust. That is, if you trust God, you're going to do what he says. Amen? And so, much time has elapsed, but they go to Goshen, and here's such a beautiful word. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel, because I'm sure they had questions, and maybe you do too, like, you know, does God see what's going on here? How long? How many people do we need to bury in Egypt? How long do we need to be slaves until he sees and does something? Is God real? Does he care? I'm sure all of that. But when they heard, they saw the signs and they heard the word that God had seen their affliction, they bowed low and they worshiped. Takeaways. I think God's trying to kill us. <laughs> In the best sense of that word. I hope nobody takes a little snippet from this message and, hey, you won't believe what Pastor Michael at Living Truth tells people. No, that's in quotes, okay? Trying to kill the old self, the old nature. Needs to be crucified. And we can rise in what worship really means, or in this case, bow. In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, Ephesians 4, through 24, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Colossians 2, 11 and 12 says, In him, in Christ, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which also you were raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. O oh Lord, let my life be a living doxology. Let my worship be more than a song. Let it be my, from my heart. Let it be authentic and real, but let it be from my heart. Would you bow your hearts with me? Lord, I think we could take a couple of hours right now just to meditate on what we've heard. But I also think that you're saying to us, I want you to cut away those things that have been getting in the way. I want you to walk in this new covenant. I want you to walk by the spirit and not by the flesh. I'm calling you to deeper levels of leadership and closeness with me, but you, you need to let that thing go. You need to do what you have omitted. Father, and I, I know I'm speaking to myself when I say these words because all of us, Lord, before your holy eyes, there's nothing hidden. But thank you for your grace and thank you that when we hear about your concern for us, you so love us, you sent your son, it causes us to want to bow low and worship. You care. 
You see what we go through and you want to raise us up and deliver us from the slavery to sin and the taskmaster and the Pharaoh, in quotes, who's a type of Satan. You want us to be free to serve you with all that we are. And we find great delight in serving the one who deserves our best, King of kings and Lord of lords. So maybe there's something you need to lay down right now at his feet. Maybe there's some of you who are watching or here who've never entered into that new covenant. You've never repented of your sin and trusted in Christ. Now is the time. Because the truth is, you're going to be under the wrath of God until you trust in Christ. He is literally a prayer away. Would you cry out to him? You don't have to have a perfect prayer. Just, Lord Jesus, would you save me? Thank you that you came as the ultimate deliverer, the ultimate Moses. Thank you that you came to save me from sin and slavery to it and death to bring me into the promises. I turn from the idols of my life. I turn from trying to do it in my own strength. And I trust in you. Be my God, my King, and my Savior. Maybe you're a backslidden Christian and some of what's been said today has been hard to hear because you've been letting some things get in the way. This would be a good time to do some business with the Lord and just lay them down so you can be more free and more usable for him. Father, thank you for this precious congregation and thank you for the book of Exodus. As we move through it, may we be continually be in awe of your grace and your goodness and may we remember the amazing gospel of Christ that he came to save us, took our punishment, rose to defeat our great enemy death itself, prepared a place for us. We have such amazing and precious promises. May they carry each one of us forward in the week ahead. May you fill us all afresh with your Holy Spirit. And may our lives be about bringing you glory. We pray in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Obedience and Worship, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 4, 18 through 31. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions based on whatever you heard in his teaching today. Or maybe you have a question about something else or need encouragement or prayer. Or maybe you just want to share with us how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. One more time, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, we have studied together a very intriguing and perhaps even a bit of a bizarre passage in Exodus 4, 18 through 31. And one of the things that we've highlighted as we call this obedience and worship is that we need to cut away the flesh. What does that mean? Well, simply put, Paul said, there's nothing good in my flesh. No, not one thing. And, you know, as an individual, as a believer, we can feel so spiritual, so committed one moment, and then see the weakness of our flesh seemingly in a flash. And we're like, what happened? Is, am I the same guy? And you are. 
but you have a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And obedience and worship go together because when you worship, you become more obedient. And when you are obedient, it is a form of worship. And the two are interconnected. Read Romans 12, 1 and 2, where it has to do with offering yourself as a living sacrifice. You'll see there it speaks about mind renewal and a proper assessment of oneself in Romans 12, verse 3. These are keys to our worship and our obedience. Now, we are, um, we've been telling you a little bit about our Step Closer podcast. Now, this is an additional layer of the ministry of Walk in Truth. And from time to time, we're putting on some additional content. This time of year, we thought it'd be neat for you to have some content on Halloween. We called it Trick or Treat, The Origins of Halloween. Not only where did it come from, but what did the church do with it and what should we do today? Perhaps you have little kids or grandkids, they want to go out trick-or-treating or go to a harvest event and you're like, should I should I let them go and should they be able to dress up and am I, you know, sinning against the Lord? Well, we're going to deal with all of that stuff on a step closer, a mini-sode called Trick-or-Treat, The Origins of Halloween. You'll benefit from this by giving it a listen when you go to walkintruth.com. You can get right to a step closer there. Or you can always find it a step closer when you search for Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast platform. God bless you. We'll see you right here tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $5 a month, or you can always give a one-time gift. Visit walkintruth.com to get. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 5 called Let My People Go. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.